1: On your Friday episode of Locked On Raptors, we continue our player profile draft preview series with a look at Kason Wallace out of Kentucky, the guy who might be the dream pick for the Raptors if, in fact, they're looking for a true point guard to add to their mix. We'll get into why he's not quite at the top of my board, but he's very, very close. Coming up on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, like because when I shot, I expected to make it, so like I don't shoot trying to miss. So. What's going on and welcome to another episode of Locked on Raptors. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Friday, May the 26th and I am your host Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now. For nine seasons on various platforms, you can find all my work over on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube, of course. If you want to catch the video feed each day, we're also on Instagram at Locked On Raptors, and of course, the Locked On Raptors Discord, baby! It's the place to be. Go to the link in the description, and we got a lot of great folks hanging out in there, talking trades, talking off-season machinations, talking playoffs, talking Blue Jays, Ugh, the Blue Jays barf uh, but it's fun to be sad about sports among friends come hang out in the locked on raptors discord a great place to be especially as we get into the draft and uh all that that's going to entail both with draft picks and of course trade speculation we love it go check it out uh today's show is brought to you by our friends over at game time down the game time at create an account use the code locked on nba for 20 dollars off your first purchase last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed all right on today's show We're digging into Kason Wallace, the second player. We're taking a full episode to chat about as uh, you know potential candidates for the Raptors at 13. There's a lot of them. We're gonna have at least like I would say close to a dozen episodes on these guys, just because it's a wide range between I would say like six and 18 in the draft, where a lot of guys could go in a lot of different places. And I am pretty excited to dig into all of them here. And starting off with a couple of heavy hitters, Kobe Bufkin, I really think it's going to be hard to knock him off the perch as my favorite guy for the Raptors at 13 right now, Uh, but... Today's guy, very much in consideration for that. I can certainly be, uh, you know, compelled over the course of the next month to tilt my preference over towards Case and Wallace because he is a really exciting prospect. We'll dig into what he does well, maybe some areas for improvement, and a pretty uh, sort of widely held comparison in the NBA in Drew Holiday to Case and Wallace. We'll dig into whether or not there's any merit to that. You know, I don't love comps necessarily, but we'll get into it because it's not all that crazy. Off the top, though, let's just kind of give you the tail, of the tape. Cason Wallace, 6'4 point guard, 195 pounds, played at Kentucky as a freshman this past season, 11.7 points a game, 3.7 boards, 4.3 assists, two steals, half a block, 2.1 turnovers, like that 2-to-1 assist to turnover ratio, uh, 51.4% on twos, 34.6% on threes, 75.7% from the free throw line, and a true shooting percentage of 54.3, which is not like... Amazing or anything like that, but it's not awful, and it's important to sort of always keep in mind the context of the college game and the lack of space and the way certain players might be inhibited a little bit by the situation you find in college. We'll get into why that might actually be a reason for some optimism as far as some of his weaknesses coming up in the second segment. But uh, for me, Cason Wallace, the case to not to make a pun, the case for Kason is that. He's the guy you take that you hope you can take at 13, if you're looking at moving on from Fred VanVleet and looking into the the point guard of the future, right? And that's not to say that you draft Cason Wallace and you're just free to let Fred walk and you're oh we're all set we got Cason Wallace. That's not how this works. Rookie point guards are almost never good and never positive on the floor, and so uh, you're not drafting Cason Wallace necessarily to take over right away, but. I think if the sort of if it comes to pass that the Raptors retain Fred Van Vliet, which I think they should be trying to do, because I don't see a notable upgrade out there for his skill set to be found anywhere else. And I'd rather just retain the player who's good, who will you'll be able to trade in the next deal. I feel pretty confident in that. There will be teams out there who are desperate, who need a Fred Van Vliet. You'll be able to make that move, but Casey Wallace gives you that guy to fill in in the event of you sign Fred Van Vliet and then move on from him down the line. In the meantime, as much as Casey Wallace was sort of the go-to point guard for Kentucky, he doesn't profile as someone who's exclusively a point guard. Eventually, maybe that's where you want him to grow into, but... As of right now, the thing about Wallace is he can kind of do it all. Like, he can play off the ball. He's a good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter right now. Actually, that's probably the way more refined part of his game right now than his on-ball creation stuff, as we'll get into. Um, And, you know, again, it doesn't necessarily mean that you move on from Fred this summer. In fact, I think, like, a Wallace-Fred backcourt could be pretty interesting um, and give you a lot of juice there. And, you know, Wallace will be able to play either guard spot, I think, throughout his entire career. Had a weird accent there. Guard! Uh, (laughs) Either way. Um, like you can't go into next year let's just put it this way you can't go into next year with Case and Wallace being your only plan for point guard and pretending to be a serious team that's not going to happen but he, he does a lot of stuff outside of that traditional point guard table setting uh, where he can work off ball, cut, do the type of thing while also being a really, really excellent defender uh, that he should be able to contribute at least coming out of the gate in year one as more of an off ball guy. And then maybe you scale him up as an on ball creator as time goes on, as maybe he moves on and takes the Fred Van Leet reigns or whatever it might be. Um, you know, I'm less of the mind that the Raptors have to go and get themselves like a specific positional sort of need. Like, I don't think you have to go and get like a pure shooting guard or a pure point guard. Just get a good player who can help and can play off of Scotty Barnes or Pascal Siakam or OG Ananobi or Yaka Purtle. Again, we don't know how many of those guys will even be back in Toronto next year, but getting someone who can fit in, play off the ball with the upside to then move into more of an on-ball role, kind of similar to Kobe Bufkin, which we talked about yesterday, right, where the sort of swing skill for him is that on-ball creation, those point guard skills. Same thing with Wallace here. I think, you know, the we'll get into some of the weaknesses and the strengths of his game, but the just the, the general sort of do-it-all, every-man sort of vibe I think you get from Casey Wallace is really nice. And I think similar to Bufkin and kind of reiterating the everydayers who listen to the podcast will know I talked about this yesterday, but if not, go listen to the Kobe Bufkin episode. I'm going to repeat myself here for a sec. When I'm sort of doing the philosophical exercise of, all right, which guys do I think are going to be good NBA players? And this is me talking as not a scout. I'm not a smart person when it comes to scouting college basketball players. I don't have the time or the brain power to watch college basketball all season long. Um, that's where we return to our pals like Raphael Barlow and Kevin O'Connor and Hoops Intellect on YouTube, a really great channel. Um, you know, and all of them are kind of where I'm amalgamating all of these opinions and putting them into my own sort of processing Hopper here and coming out with my own thoughts on things. But, um... You know, when I'm evaluating guys, I typically look at the weaknesses. Are there weaknesses here that are giant red flags that are maybe things that could undo a guy's development, undo a guy's career, make it so they can't play in meaningful minutes just because there's one thing that's just so glaring? And while there are red flags a little bit with Case and Wallace when it comes to his creation and his ability to get around guys, we'll talk about that in a sec. He does a lot to kind of bring a high floor. He has like a real sort of um, joie de vie for playing ball and like really just seems to try extremely hard, which is something that will be, I think, a nice addition to the Raptors after they didn't try very hard all the time last season. Um, You know, he kind of feels like a bit of a culture setter type, not to get all cliche-ish and all of that. Um, And he does, again, the off-ball stuff, the defense, the three-point shooting on the catch. Like that's the type of stuff, That gives you a high floor. The ceiling, that's nice, go for ceiling. But I ultimately would prefer guys who are going to be NBA players and then hope you can develop along more of a star turn in the years to come as opposed to just getting someone who uh, one weakness or multiple weaknesses could cause them to just not be effective NBA players. I don't think that's going to be the case with Case and Wallace. He's going to be a good NBA player. How good? I think will come down to the couple of weaknesses we're going to get into in a second here. But um, the la- the the list of weaknesses from the experts like Kevin O'Connor, Raphael Barlow on the sort of the the, the scouting report of Casein Wallace. It's pretty slim. are a couple things there, but a lot of strengths, a lot of things that really pop and a lot of things that might project into things that could paper over some of the current issues that he has. So uh, I like Kaysen Wallace quite a bit. He's not maybe my top choice right now. We'll get into some of the reasons why that is in a sec here. But uh, if you're going for a more traditional point guard type, if you're looking for someone to be the long-term guard option next to Scotty Barnes and a guy who can, you know, again, sort of Mix and mingle between being on the ball and playing off the ball to leave space for Scotty Barnes to go and create as well. I think Case and Wallace certainly fits. I like the fit of Buffkin with Barnes just a little bit better, but uh, it's not. Uh, and I guess that's like ultimately the biggest question here is how do these guys fit alongside Scotty Barnes in his personal timeline? Um, but you know, I, I think Case and Wallace you could do much, 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 much worse if he falls to thirteen and the Raptors end up scooping him up. He seems like a very cool player. We'll come back on the other side and get into the reasons why he's a cool player. What makes him good? What makes him a little bit concerning, uh, spe- specifically on the offensive end? His defense feels like it's going to be really, really, really good, maybe even from day one. But we'll uh, get into that in just one second before we dive into the strengths and weaknesses of Casey Wallace's game. Got to tell you about game time, which uh, is incredible. If we were doing a scouting report on ticketing sites, it would be all positives for game time because there's just no downside. They are wonderful. They make it so buying tickets on the day of the event is not stressful. You can wait up until the day of the event. Maybe your schedule's unclear. You're not sure what you want to do, and you want to go get tickets last minute. I do this all the time. My my cousin and I, in the regular season for the Raptors this past year, we would just kind of wait around and see, ooh, Wednesday night, the Hornets are in town. These will be cheap tickets. Let's see. And then they pop up. I wish we had game time to go to at this point. I didn't realize it was a thing until the last month or so here since they joined us on Locked On. But you can get way cheaper tickets at game time than you can anywhere else. And they promise you that will be the case with the game time guarantee, which means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. There's no reason not to go and try game time the next time you're looking for last minute tickets or tickets a few days ahead of time for an event. You get last minute deals. And and it's wonderful. You get two t- two taps on the app, and you're set. They will send your tickets right to your phone, so you don't have to go and sort through your email on the line or anything like that either. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code Locked NBA for twenty bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code Locked on NBA for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed.
0: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: All right, we continue on here. First listen of the day, digging into the scouting report on one Kaysen Wallace. Again, when I kind of do this stuff, again, this is not me watching tape of Kaysen Wallace over the course of a full season and compiling a big scouting notebook. It's me... Reading The People I Trust, Raphael Barlow, Mavs Draft, Richard Stamen over at Lockton NBA Big Board. Kevin O'Connor does a great job with the draft guide over at The Ringer. Um, And then you've got Hoops Intellect, a really wonderful YouTube channel. And then, uh, oh God, I lost the page. I used it yesterday. There's this one page that throws out, uh, I think it's Hoops Intellectual. Apologies if I'm misquoting that. It's in yesterday's show notes, but uh, they do like full two, two and a half, three hour long smash cuts of all the things a player did over the course of the season, good and bad, which are super useful. So um, all of that is helping to form this opinion that I have on Caseen and Wallace and, and you know the reasons why I'm pretty high on him, but maybe not as high on other guys as I am on other guys or Buffkin in particular. Um, so the good stuff of Caseen Wallace's game. Pretty interesting pull-up game, uh, 59% on pull-ups inside 17 feet per Rafael Barlow on NBA Big Board. That's a really nice thing, Um, you know, have that mid-range game. It's a super important skill to have in the NBA. The best players in the league excel from the mid-range because those are the shots that the smartest defenses are trying to funnel you to, and so if you got a guy who's already excelling there... It's a great starting point. There are reasons why it's a little concerning that he's shooting as often as he is from that range. That we'll get to in a sec, but uh, you can't deny fifty nine percent on pull ups inside seventeen feet. That is good. That is very, very, very good. Um, the defense obviously here, I think, is going to be the calling card for Case and Wallace. Um, you know, he's a point of attack monster. He can you know fight through screens, do the thing. He's a really good team defender. That's the thing that really pops. He's almost got, like, eyes on the back of his head when you watch some of the clips of him. Like, just almost like the Kawhi, like, grabbing a steal without actually looking at it situation. But he does it all the time. And it's not just for steals. Certainly, steals are part of it. But he's just bloody good at rotations. And, like, man, did the Raptors need people who were locked in on rotations last season. Um, You know, he almost has, like I said, eyes in the back of his head where... The ball is like in flight towards the shooter, and the ball arrives at the shooter, and Wallace is like already there, arms up, ready to defend the the, the drive or the three. It's like really impressive stuff, and that seems to be like a thing that's going to carry over wonderfully to the NBA. It's it's great to have team defenders up and down and you know, you pair the point of attack defense and the team defense of a Cason Wallace with the wing defense of an OG and an OB and the rim protection of Jakob Purtle, and the help and sort of, you know, the secondary rim protection of Scotty Barnes, which I think is kind of the thing he offers the most right now defensively. Same with Pascal Siakam when he's on his best, like he's a wonderful help side guy uh man the, the recipe of a very good defense is there and the raptors already had a very good defense they were number six in the nba after the trade deadline after adding yak to the mix and that was with pretty suspect point of attack defense from fred van vliet who just kind of lost a step moving laterally and of course gary Trent jr who's just not a great on-ball defender he's a good guy jumping passing lanes that's about it um you know wallace kind of offers all of the things you want from a defender and I think it's uh it's really really interesting. Again, he's more than just an on-ball guy. You can play him off. You can play him on bigger guys as well. He's six four, but he can probably size up and, and guard some of, uh, sort of do like the Marcus Smart thing, where Marcus Smart can go and guard a six eight wing type, and it's not like a horrible horrible mismatch. He's not the type of guy who's gonna go get you know picked apart in a you know pulled up by the 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 the, the ball handler in a playoff series and get switched on to and all that stuff like. That's not going to be Casein Wallace's lot in life. I truthfully think, like just like watching the clips of him and just the way that he seems to understand defense, plus the tools he's got, like all defense level tools. I think like there's no doubt he's going to be kind of a maniac on that end, and I really, really love that. It's super fun. Um, you know, on offense, it's a little bit more of a sort of mixed bag. You know, I think the thing that I liked about him sort of digging into some of the tape. Uh, really good at sort of starting a possession then relocating and kind of burning you on a catch and shoot later in the possession he doesn't kind of stand still once he gets rid of the ball he can go relocate and make something happen and kind of keep a play alive that way by just creating a new outlet for whoever's got the ball now Um, you know two to one assist to turnover ratio that's really good to see especially on a college team that was pretty cramped with its spacing by all accounts in Kentucky Um, you know again does a little bit of everything he, he's kind of built I think like the type of point guard you want to see in 2023 he's big he's strong he's beefy he's not going to get again pulled off the floor in a playoff series because he can't be out there due to size issues and while some of the best point guards in basketball right now are your as my neighbor fires up his motorcycle apologies if that's coming through um but while some of the best point guards in basketball right now are those pull-up threats, obviously Steph Curry, Dane Lillard, etc., I do think maybe the more sort of preferred archetype of a point guard these days is someone who can kind of do it all. You're not dependent on them having the ball in their hands to be effective. As great as Damian Lillard is, when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, yeah, he can catch and shoot threes, but like he's not doing a ton for you. Similar to like James Harden, traditional point guard, ball in his hands a whole bunch you're not getting a whole lot of him off the ball. And so with Case and Wallace, it's a little bit more of a versatile skill set, right? He'll be able to run some pick and rolls for you. He'll be able to go get his own shot once in a while with that mid-range game, but he can also play off the ball and cut and scamper around and, and you know, be a catch-and-shoot guy. And I think that's kind of what you want in 2023 as, you know, a lot of playmaking responsibility shifts towards big men and wings and, you know, Scotty Barnes obviously is going to be a, a big-time part of whatever playmaking formula the Raptors put together going forward. And so having someone who can kind of be used in multiple different spots and isn't sort of, okay, he has to be a high pick-and-roll operator and that's all he's got to him, I think that's really encouraging. That's kind of what you want from a point guard in 2023. Um, You know, it seems to be the consensus that his catch-and-shoot game is going to be pretty high level. It's the pull-up threes that are really giving him trouble right now. And watching some of the misses on these long smash cuts of his highlights from the year, lowlights in this case, some of those pull-up threes are like, bricks right out of the hands and so uh obviously gonna have to refine that but again he's got the mid-range game down and so maybe that indicates that he's got the stroke and touch to be able to step it out a few feet and eventually get that pull-up three-point game going especially with more space in the nba getting real screens set by real big men like yaka burtel not a bad thing to consider either um and he did shoot 64.2 percent at the rim on the season but doesn't get to the rim the same way that Kobe Bufkin does, for example. Bufkin gets there all the freaking time. I think it was again like 140 of his 360 attempts on the year were at the rim. It was about 81 of 312 for Case and Wallace. About 25% of his shots come at the rim, which is not bad. Like that's that's great. Like the it's a good start, I guess. Not great, but it's a good start on a team that was pretty cramped with not much space or driving lanes to speak of. Um, but that's certainly a thing to keep in mind. Is you know, the while he can get to the rim, and that's nice. Uh, it's not like his, his bread and butter. He doesn't get there all the time, despite his ability to finish there, which is nice. And and so that brings us to the drawbacks. And honestly, like the big thing for me is the space creation that he doesn't quite have on offense right now. Um, you know, the reason I have Buffkin a little bit higher is just, he's got a little more shake and shimmy to him. He can kind of blow by guys. He's got more of an explosive first step. And the biggest knock on Wallace right now seems to be that he just doesn't have a ton of ability to blow by guys and get space for himself. He manages to still get shots off kind of in close quarters in some of the stuff I've watched, but it's not like he's walking into wide open mid rangeers There's usually a guy at him that he's got to kind of shake or maybe sort of jab step or give a little push off or whatever, um, and he's able to get those shots up, but again, it's not like the smoothest oh wow this guy can kind of create anything from nothing type of situation that maybe you want from a lead guard um you know it's a good thing he's got that mid-range game because it does feel like a counter to him not totally being able to finish his drives all the time by getting all the way to the cup um so it's great that he's used that counter we've seen you know gary Trent jr not able to get to the rim a ton but he's countered that with a really nice mid-range game that he's able to use off of his three-point games when he gets run off the line there's something for him to do um you know so there's it's nice that he has that baked into his game, Wallace does that mid-range game, but he just doesn't get to the rim with quite the frequency you might want from a guy who's going to be your lead guard. Um, It's also worth noting that like this concern regarding his pull-up shooting and his ability to kind of create for himself and get by guys could be just a product of playing at Kentucky. And we've seen a long history of guys at Kentucky, guards at Kentucky, Operating with a lack of spacing, a lack of offensive ingenuity, a lack of sort of, you know, having the ball in their hands all the time because they're playing on super stacked teams. We've seen plenty of guards in the last six, eight years come out of Kentucky and then completely explode in the NBA in a way you didn't really expect based on their college careers. We think Devin Booker, Jamal Murray, Tyrese Maxey, Emmanuel Quickley, Tyler Hero, like all these guys really popped in the NBA in a way they weren't really able to flourish in college at Kentucky and maybe when you have like that much of a track record of this being a a trend with guards coming out of Kentucky maybe that gives you some hope that Case and Wallace can actually take the next step I think there's a difference like Devin Booker has a clear good first step Jamal Murray can blow by anybody Maxie quickly hero all these guys have that really electric first step who can step into you know mid-range shots after creating and rising a fire and all that stuff Wallace just he might not have the athleticism to have that first step doesn't mean he's not going to be a good NBA player because again he does like so many really good smart NBA player things but that is maybe the one sort of counter to oh well once he leaves Kentucky it's going to be fine well some guys just don't have that that burst and that I think matters at both the college and nba level like i I think there's a a chance that that just becomes a bit of an inhibitor for him but again he's like 19 years old (laughs) like these things develop and maybe there's some athleticism training or whatever that goes into building that first step i don't really know how these things work but um you know you got to look at the history guys coming out of kentucky tend to overperform in the nba compared to what they did at as guards with the wildcats so that's something to at least be a little optimistic about as far as improving upon the drawbacks for case and wallace again there's not much like those are the things it's the pull-up threes and the first step and the creating space for himself that are kind of the consensus biggest drawbacks with wallace's game everything else he just you know the the word like coach's dream is thrown around a lot in the analysis of him he does a lot of things that are going to help you win basketball games, and like I said, like he just really seems to care a lot and really try very hard and is super locked in and feels like the type of guy you're very happy to add to your team and is going to give you a lot of good, positive things over the course of time, even if maybe there are some drawbacks. We'll come back on the other side, get into the sort of the the go-to player comparison for Kaysen Wallace, which is probably unfair, but is still a good one. And I think there's a little bit of merit to it, while not all that much merit. Plus, will he be there for the Raptors at 13? What are the teams ahead of uh, the Raptors thinking when it comes to point guards? And where is Kaysen Wallace being mocked? We'll get into all of that in a hot second here. Before we dive in, however, got to tell you about our friends over at bird dogs who uh, have really helped me find comfort in the summertime. The weather's heating up now, it's getting warm, and while I like to wear shorts, I'm a shorts guy for sure, I'm always like the first dum-dum you see wearing shorts in March on the first warm day, um, because I run hot. Sometimes shorts just aren't comfortable. They get all bunched up. They're not the the most breathable fabrics or whatever it might be, and they're kind of defeating the purpose of wearing shorts, which is heat relief. Bird dogs doesn't give you that problem. They are super comfortable, super airy, super light, super breezy, and very, very, very versatile. You can wear them in all different settings. They have swim trunks. They have oxfords. They got gym shorts. They got khakis. You can go and pick the pair that is your right fit. And a wonderful thing about Bird Dogs, they have maybe figured out the future of underwear. Sometimes you don't want to wear underwear either in the summer because it's hot. Too many layers. But with Bird Dogs, they have a built-in comfort lining that can serve as your underwear. What We're living in the future. It's unbelievable. Go right now. Check out Bird Dogs. BirdDogs.com slash Locked On NBA is the place to go. When you enter the promo code Locked On NBA, all one word, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. Go check them out. BirdDogs.com slash Locked On NBA. Promo code Locked On NBA.
0: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: All right, let's uh round this bad boy out finishing off our chat about Cason Wallace, the point guard, combo guard, whatever large guard type out of Kentucky. And the sort of lack of a clear positional distinction, I think, does play into the sort of most often used player comp for Cason and Wallace. And look, before I get into it, I don't love player comps. I kind of disagree with the entire notion of player comps because I think the most enjoyable thing about basketball, the thing that I love the most, is every player is one of one. Every player is unique stylistically and has their own flavor and brand, and... I don't really buy into the idea of comps. Sure, there are like certain skills that might be comparable to other players in a lot of cases, but for the most part, every player is their own thing, and so player comps are not super useful to me. And I just kind of disagree with the notion. That said, got a listener question that came in from Arthur 8 in the Discord. Join the Discord, get your questions in. Um, Who asks how accurate are the Drew Holiday comparisons? Um, And yeah, that's what you know. I think. Raphael has mentioned Drew Holiday as a comp and Kevin O'Connor definitely has Drew Holiday listed as a comp. And I don't think it's like crazy off base. Look, like Holiday's awesome. He's arguably like the second best player on a championship team, or um, second most important. I don't know. Like his defense is ridiculous. I like Chris Middleton, but I think I love Drew Holiday more. I also like Drew Holiday's maybe one of my like 10 to 15 favorite players of the last 10 years. So I'm a little biased here, but I love Drew Holiday. If Casey Wallace were Drew Holiday, I would be a pig in my own excrement, just rolling around having the best time of my life. <laughs> but yeah the thing with holiday is he's not going to be your lead guard all the time, right? Like he can do it for flashes. He can do it in moments. He can carry a bench unit. He can run it. If uh, you know, your, your best player is out and you need it in a pinch and he will have some massive games. There will also be games where the shots just off and he doesn't quite help you on the offensive end, but he's also an incredible defender. Maybe the best guard defender there is over the last 10 years. And if case Wallace walls can go down that path, sign me up. That sounds awesome. Um, you know, the, the shooting, I think, maybe is a little more encouraging for Casey Wallace than it was with Drew Holiday as a, as a college player. And, and look, this is hard to compare because Drew Holiday played in college in 2009-10, back before like the full breadth of the three-point revolution took place. And like so Kaysen Wallace has come up in a world where three-point shooting is like super-duper important. He was like six years old when <laughs> Drew Holiday came into the NBA. Um, so lots of things have changed since Drew Holiday's college career. But Drew Holiday was a 31% three-point shooter in college. Cason Wallace, 35%. That's pretty good. And Drew Holiday went on to become a very good three-point shooter. Had a couple dalliances with 40% seasons. Um, has been a 37%-ish guy for his entire career. Um, so, and again, a lot of the the talk about Wallace is that his catch-and-shoot three-point shot, super clean, super good-looking, could be like a knockdown shooter on catch-and-shoots. It's the pull ups that are an issue. Um, and I don't think Drew Holiday has ever been considered like a catch and shoot, you know, marksman or anything like that. He's a good shooter, but not like a uh, going to change your life with, you know, 10 threes a game type of situation. And Wallace might have more capacity to do that. He's not going to be Clay Thompson or anything like that, but no one is. Um, yeah, so th- it makes sense. Like, it's a decent comp. Again, I, I Drew Holiday, if you can become Drew Holiday, he's like an all-NBA player, I think, once. He's been an all-star. He's excellent. He's been all-defense. He's like one playoff series by himself. Thinking back, you know, obviously he had Anthony Davis with the Pelicans when they swept the Blazers, but Holiday was the reason they won that series so handedly. Just demolished Dame Lillard. If you got a guy like Wallace who can f- become that type of player? That's incredible. Like, teams would die to have Drew Holiday on their roster. Man, Imagine Drew Holiday on the Raptors. It would be awesome. It's not to say Case and Wallace would become that, but the the archetype certainly is there of that sort of combo guard type who can sort of be a chameleon between the the on ball point guard role and the more shooting guard heavy role where the defense is maybe more the priority. I like Case and Wallace quite a bit thing is, I don't think he's going to be there at 13. He seems like he's kind of a little bit more in sort of an upper tier than, say, Kobe Bufkin. Um, You know, Wallace and kind of Anthony Black feel like they're maybe the first couple guards in that range who are going to come off the board. Um, And so it seems like he's probably going to be gone before 13, which is a shame for those who love Case and Wallace. The Jazz right now at nine are being mocked Wallace in the Kevin O'Connor mock draft and in Raphael's mock draft at NBA Big Board, he's going eighth to the Wizards and the Wizards could sorely use a point guard like a Wallace. And so I, I think it's going to be hard to see him fall all the way. I doubt the Mavs would take him. They have... Luca, like, do they need, like, an on-ball point guard type? Maybe they do. Maybe that would be a perfect complement to Luca. It'd actually be kind of nice having a guard who can defend next to him. But, um, you know, the Mavs might also just trade that pick. They're a wild card here. The Magic, I suppose, could go there. But maybe the Magic, like we talked about yesterday, are going to skew away from younger guards and go for more of a veteran solution, like a Fred Van Vliet. Um, You know, there's a chance he falls. Like, again, there's, like, a whole morass of guys here. And so if teams value a Bufkin or a I don't know Grady Dick or a Jordan Hawkins or an Anthony Black or Nick Smith a little higher than a case Wallace then maybe there's a chance he slips through the cracks during that run of teams who could be in the range for point guards but uh, I would bet against Wallace being there at 13 if he's there at 13 you scoop him up and laugh if Bufkin's off the board in my estimation um, and I would guess that if case and Wallace is there at 13 Bufkin is probably gone a little bit earlier um, just with the way the guard run might go so I think uh, yeah I'm not upset if Case Wallace is the pick at thirteen. He's number two on my personal board of the two guys I've talked about right now between him and Buffkin. But Buffkin is number one, you know, because I think he rocks. <laughs> I really like it's no sort of shame on Case Wallace to not be on the same tier as Kobe Bufkin in my mind right now. So um, yeah, I I don't think Wallace is the type of guy you trade up for either. Like again, there's a lot of good to like there, but there's going to be good in whatever player falls to 13 for the Raptors here. I think there's going to be a lot of guys in that mix. Someone's going to slip through the cracks and be there. And I think you just happily scoop them up as opposed to trading up here. Um, I don't think Wallace has like no brainer. Oh, this guy's going to be like a multi-time all-star potential where you have to go and do it. Maybe the front office thinks differently. They're much smarter than I am. And if that's the case, whatever. But um, I I think, you know, you hope he falls there to 13 if you're a Wallace head, but I don't see them trading up to get him. And I ultimately don't think it's super likely he will be there at 13. So apologies to the case and Wallace heads out there. We're going to wrap it there. Thank you so much for tuning into the show once again. Thanks for the kind words that some folks sent over about the Buffkin episode yesterday. I'm really enjoying this draft stuff. Normally, I don't like the draft very much. It's just kind of not my thing, but I'm having fun di- diving in this year. Lots of interesting players. I think just sort of the the quality and quantity of guys at 13 who could be there for the Raptors... Has me really fascinated. And so we'll continue these with, uh, you know, into next week. We'll do, um, you know, we'll get into Grady Dick. We'll get into Jordan Hawkins. We'll get into a handful of more guys again. We'll probably do like a dozen of these episodes before the draft ends up coming upon us in about a month's time. But in the meantime, thank you so much for tuning in. Go listen to the Kobe Bufkin episode yesterday if you missed it. And I'll be back again on Monday. Vivek Jacob will be along for his typical Monday appearance. Maybe there will be a coach hired by the Raptors by then. Maybe. Eh, maybe. Maybe no they're not doing it it's gonna take forever isn't it um with that though thank you you're the best please tune in the show uh on youtube wherever you get your podcast subscribe rate review etc etc Show, follow the show on Instagram at LockedOnRaptors. Raptors. Follow me at Woodley Sean on Twitter if you're still using Twitter and most importantly, join the Lockdown Raptors Discord. It is super duper fun and honestly has like replaced Twitter for me as the place where I go to talk about basketball with people from the internet. It's just way more fun. So come and hang out in the Lockdown Raptors Discord. The link is in the description of the podcast both on the audio and video. Feeds, and we will leave it there. Have yourselves a wonderful weekend. We'll talk to you Monday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks for hanging.
0: A hey, Prime members.